Hello, I'm Will Sampson. Welcome to the Woodworking Network Podcast. Welcome to the Woodworking Network Podcast, where we explore the business of woodworking and what it takes to succeed. I'm Will Sampson. This episode is sponsored by the Veneer Tech Craftsman's Challenge. Today we will continue my interview with award-winning art furniture maker Scott Grove, but before we get back to Scott, let's talk about learn, adapt, change, and prosper. Woodworking has to be one of the very oldest of crafts. It dates back to when the first primitive human picked up a stick to use as a tool and then figured that somehow changing that stick by resizing, reshaping, sharpening, or selecting a better stick entirely would help in some task. As time went on, we humans learned that different kinds of wood worked better for different kinds of tasks. We learned how to build things out of wood, using the natural attributes of this amazing material to its best advantage. And as we soon learned to make other tools out of stone and eventually metal, we learned to apply those tools to shaping wood. Now jump forward a few millennia to the current age. We have brought a completely new world of technology to bear on our woodworking. Computerized electronic tools now shape wood in ways primitive people could never imagine. Instead of just removing material, we are using additive processes such as 3D printing to build things up from scratch. That also brings us to where we are even changing the material itself figuring out methods of recombining wood fibers to engineer new wood products and using wood production processes to manipulate other materials besides wood. All of this really is just a continuation of the same basic process of learning, adapting, and changing to meet new realities, either of our own making or out of our control. The current coronavirus pandemic is a case in point. No one predicted or could have predicted the massive impact it would have on everyone in our way of life, including woodworking. Yet woodworkers do learn, adapt, and change. I've been amazed at how fast so many shops have pivoted to some other kind of production to help in this health crisis. Norwalk Furniture in Ohio is making protective face masks and medical gowns. Timberlane in Pennsylvania shifted from window shutters to face shields. Kindle in Michigan is sewing masks that cover N95 masks to prolong their usefulness. Urban Plow Furniture in Arizona has been making intubation boxes. Cooper Enterprise in Ohio is making cut-to-size cashier shields. The list goes on and on. In some cases, state designations of woodworking companies as essential or non-essential have pushed shops to close or change production to officially recognized and supported activities. But most are taking the outbreak in much the same way that they would take on any challenging woodworking project. For some, the challenge is crucially existential. How to keep staff on board with little or no cash flowing in. How to deal with customers, coworkers, and business contacts while maintaining safe distances. What to do with downtime when there is no way to keep production going. 
And then there is the uncertainty of what things will look like on the other side of this crisis. What will the economy do? Will customers be ready and waiting to help get business back on track? Or will we have to develop whole new avenues of production and markets? As big as these challenges are, I'm still optimistic. Woodworkers constantly learn, adapt, and change. And that's how they will prosper in the long term. That's how all of us can come out better on the other side. Before we get to Scott Grove, let's pause for a word from our sponsor. The Veneer Tech Craftsman's Challenge has become the premier competition for creative woodworking in the world. With thousands of dollars in prize money, the competition honors the best veneer woodworking in furniture, cabinets, architectural millwork, and specialty products. There are even categories for first-time entrants and student work. In the interest of promoting veneer as a beautiful, natural, and sustainable product, the competition also honors not only creators of fine work, but also the distributors and salespeople who supplied the veneer. The deadline for entries is June 1, so don't delay. Go to woodworkingnetwork.com challenge and enter today. Now let's get back to our interview with Scott Grove about how woodworking shops are dealing with COVID-19. Now, we've known each other for quite a few years, and one of the things yeah. I've always appreciated is your positive, pragmatic, and optimistic attitude, not to mention your sense of humor. How do you, <laughs> You've how do you, seen them, huh? <laughs> how do you keep it up in a situation like this? Well, uh, it might just be my nature. I, I do have a saying. I don't know where the line is until you cross it. You know, find a line and then cross it. So that's on my T-shirts. And I, my wife is a great editor because she has to be careful. I, I, I don't mean to be insensitive. I've just with this COVID, I've come up with some, you know, creative little videos talking about, you know, showing, you know, I don't say I'm making fun, but they're they're good tips. Like, you know, hand sanitizer. Okay, it's only as good as it is handy. So I made this old holster out of duct tape and a, and a clothes hanger, and I got this holster that hooks on my belt. And when I go out, I'm before I touch anything, I'm squirting my hands, and and, and I touch something, and after I touch it, I squirt it again, and. Um, you know, I made a, uh, a couple of videos on how to make your own face shield. And I did this about a week ago. And at the time that people were kind of, oh, that's kind of stupid. And now I hear on the news that doctors are actually making, doing the exact thing. I don't know if they're using my videos or not. It's, it's kind of pretty straightforward, but using packing tape and saran wrap, you can, you can make your own face shield and, you, you know, you paper clip it or duct tape it to a, baseball cap and now you've got a face shield and this is a very serious event i mean it's and it's you know people are kind of oh i, I don't want to wear it look stupid well you want to look stupid or you, you or you want to kill somebody i mean this is this is very serious and these are sort of creative ways of of you know diy kind of stuff but in my videos, I have some fun, you know, where I do a split screen and, you know, with a hand sanitizer, I kind of come walk up to myself and I'm doing the, the, the elbow bump sort of thing. So I'm trying to have some, <laughs> trying to have some fun there. I, I, I used to be a professional clown, so it's in my nature to have some fun. Um, I'm hopefully, hopefully trying to you know, drive a point home without insulting anybody. And I think I'm doing a good job. I got a couple other ones where, uh, I you know I glued a bunch of razor blades to a to a glove 
<laughs> you know, like don't touch your face. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's real. And, and, and there is a point there. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't want to make light of this. In fact, I'm not making light of it and uh, trying to educate everybody because yeah, you, you can have this disease or virus and not be, symptomatic, meaning you don't have to show any signs and spread it. So, uh, and I don't think everybody's getting that point yet. So that's, yeah. it's getting real, real, it's getting real very quickly. Now you pretty much work on your own now, but you've run professional shops with employees in the past. What's your recommendation for small pro shops and how they should handle what's going on now? Yeah, it's tough. Well, luckily, I mean, hopefully if you, practice good safety procedures, you have face shields and dust masks and uh, you know, respiratory uh, protection, and maybe this is going to drive that home. We all know, yeah, I had a shop with, with 20 guys. I didn't require dust masks. I required safety glasses. But now I think everybody is going to be like, okay, it is now required that you all wear a dust mask. And... Um, you know that that if you if you I would quite frankly I would say if you practice good safety shop safety with all the protective gear that you're supposed to have I mean now the reality is not everybody does you're probably gonna be pretty good uh, certainly get those dust cleaners cleaned out and, and working I last night I have um, battery operated uh, face shields and helmets for myself. I have extra ones, so I'm um, going to be uh, shipping one of those out to some relatives uh, who are at high risk. And this is this is the new reality. But I, I think that you can continue working. The issue here is, you know, can you have the can you have the work? Now, to a certain degree, I think we are actually um, we have some advantages. We're not a service industry. So hopefully you're, you're booked with commissions or, or projects, you know, for a month or six months. And I'm usually booked six months to a year out. So I'm, I'm, you know, fortunate to say that I'm good for six months, uh, even with half my schedule or my entire schedule of traveling and teaching was canceled. Okay, that whacks six months out of my out of my year, but I've got six months worth of shop work. So. I'm I'm in I'm in good shape. The only concern is is the whole place going to go lock is the whole state going to lock down. So I spent the last couple of days ordering material. That's my biggest fear is if as long as I can get all my material that I need, uh, and I'm very close to having that, and then I'll be in good shape. So I think um, that is sort of the first thing you got to make sure, just in case we do lock down. Now, of course, lockdown might mean all businesses season, you know, stop, and then that's it. There's nothing you can do, and you're not supposed to go to work, so, uh, you know. And hard to do uh, woodworking remotely. Yeah, well, if you have a pro shop, then there's nothing you can do, but um, I also may have to leave here and take care of some family members, so we were talking about, well, what can I I do while I'm there? I have to go... um, uh, if I have to leave here, uh, you know, how can I manage this? And quite frankly, most wood shops or most self-employed people always have a backlog of all sorts of stuff they should be doing besides making. So, you know, look at the silver lining. This might be a time to 
get your bookkeeping in order. This might be a time to maintain your equipment so you can get to your shop. This might be a time to, um, you know, get some programs that you, you haven't learned, you know, QuickBooks or, or, or uh, AutoCAD or, you know, 3D modeling or, or, or some of these things that are very time-consuming. So I'm like, okay, you know, I, 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 I don't I hope I wasn't the cause of this because I always say, you know, I wish the world would stop spinning so I could, you know, get some of this stuff done. And, uh, you know, that's what's happening. The world is, I think, stopping. And, okay, what are you going to do? Well, clean up your – clean up all your – back room stuff and the administrative and computer and, and, and keep learning, which is, which is what's going to keep us um, on the ball, if you will. Cause if you're just sitting around eating, you know, popcorn and watching movies, you can kind of get depressed pretty quick. So I know for my own self, I like to learn. Well, I was thinking that this would be a great time for some shops to work on prototypes or spec pieces or or explore new techniques, that sort of thing. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, as I said, maintaining clean equipment. I mean, how, you know, well, usually that's the last thing that kind of gets always done. But um, I usually do it once a year. I shut down for an entire week and go through the entire shop. Well, okay, that. I would I would assume most shops are doing something like that. So okay, there there's there's you know one week of stuff and maybe turn into two, and not to mention improvements. You know I always uh, would like to improve the shop and okay so let's slow like the saying slow the curve down right. So that's sort of what we got to do here: stretch things out, use this opportunity to. Uh, to clean up the shop and, and get things ready. Yeah, there's always prototypes or testing that you might want to do. Um, and it's a hard reality. So it'd be a, a great opportunity to work on a, a special piece, like something that you might submit to a competition, like the Veneer Tech Craftsman's Challenge. And, and uh, even though I'm a judge for that, that's exactly what I'm doing this, this week, is there's a uh, interlocking spiral match veneer that I specialize in, and I always want to do a little jewelry box. I'm usually doing the larger pieces with this, and they're all commissions, and I, I never have a piece that I can carry around. So this week, uh, that's exactly what I did this week. Is I, That's been in the back of my mind. So I took the week off, and I, I've been working on this uh, jewelry box of this Amboinia interlocking spiral that I'm really happy with. And, and uh, yeah, so, you know, spec pieces, new designs, Take your time and, and, and really noodle some of this stuff out and get things ready so when the economy kicks back in, now that now you really get back to work. So, yeah, absolutely. That's, now, you've won uh, the Veneer Tech uh, contest uh, multiple times. I have, yeah. Were all the pieces that you entered regular work done for clients, or were they spec pieces or, or something special that you did for the contest? Uh, let's say I won four of them, one... Two, three, I think three were commissions and one was a spec piece, which was my uh, compound veneering, uh, actually extreme compound veneering, where I took a mold of the nude uh, female model, then I made a fiberglass uh, casting of that of that you know model torso, and then I veneered it with two pieces of veneer. So as you know, veneer only bends like a sheet of paper in one axis. So you can make a cylinder, but you can't make a ball. So I, one of the techniques that I've, I've worked on is, is developing a way to plasticize uh, wood veneer, and then through a number of techniques, I can compress.
uh, awards was uh, for that particular piece. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, sometimes, and that, again, it's just a, something I, I had some time and I wanted to give this a try and I was happy to be very successful with that. That's great. Now, you mentioned that you're you're judging again this year for that contest. Um, can you give some recommendations to entrants to have a better chance of success? What? Absolutely. Um, I, I think that more people should, should enter because, I don't know, what we had last year, a couple hundred entrants, I think. But so some of the tips would be uh, one: photography, photography, photography. You got to have good shots because this particular contest, we do not see the work in real uh, time, or unlike, say, a Crushwood Two out in Vegas, which I was a judge at last year, uh, where you get the you know the finalists that ship the pieces out, and we can really inspect them with hands-on. But video tech is all sort of virtual. So you got to have good shots. That's the first thing. Uh, second thing is you got to have some detail shots so we can get some close-ups of, of, the, of the level of craftsmanship. Uh, two is, um, you know, just submit. If you don't think, you know, you can you can compete against the big boys, I believe this year we have a first-time entrance, don't we? We have that's a category. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, so if it's your first time, obviously if there's uh, – Master craftsmen who've been submitting for years, you're not going to be competing against them. So that's a category that um, uh, gives you a great opportunity to win. Uh, in addition, uh, every year there's a specialty theme. Have we picked the theme for this year? Probably going to be coronavirus theme, right? Uh, that was <laughs> well, a joke. Yeah, there's no no theme for the veneer tech. Oh, okay. Oh, I guess I'm mixing it up with Freshwood. But yeah. um, there are other categories where um, that might be a little light. Uh, so, uh, you know, there is a specialty items category and there you go. And and that has had everything from musical instruments to wearables, um, to all sorts of different kinds of things. So, um, that's a great category for the things that don't fit in, in other categories. Right. Uh, But, uh, uh, and there is a student category too, for folks that are, are, uh, uh, still in school. So we don't want to leave them out. Yeah. And I think that's a, for the students, it's a great, um, resume builder. I mean, boy. Well, we've had a couple of years where the, the stu- a student won the grand prize. So yeah, there's yeah. Some spectacular work coming from, from folks that are just starting out, um, as well as, as the work that's being done by people that have been in the industry for a long time. And the money's not that either. So, uh, yeah. I think, I think the veneer tech, uh, may be the biggest uh, purse of, of any woodworking competition. Um, it's, you know, thousands of dollars. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's, um, you know, it, it's nothing to shake a stick at. And yeah, I think, I think it was, what, $12,000 we paid out last year, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And certainly to, um, um Certainly, to a, a student who's trying to make their way, boy, this is a this is a great, uh, a, as I said, a great resume. Um, you know, your title line and, and gets you gets you going. So, um, not to uh, uh, wrap things up on a negative note, but I, uh, especially from your positive perspective and pragmatic perspective, uh, assuming this virus thing eventually goes away, what do you see as the future of small shop professional woodworking? 
Yeah, interesting. Well, um, I, I do think that uh, sort of the maker movement is um, sort of giving a, a, a big boost to uh, craftspeople in general. And I think there's a, an appreciation for uh, handmade work. Um, so I think there's, there is a, a need for that. And um, service is, is important. So I think the small shop is one thing a small shop can, can provide uh, better than, I don't want to knock any big box stores, but, you know, large furniture stores or even maybe even the larger shops is that they can, they can really provide service. And it's one thing uh, that I think people appreciate these days. It seems like customer service is really going on a toilet. So um, if we keep that in the forefront where, I mean, I don't know, you want to go buy, I don't know, a, a couch or, or, or something, you know, the, the salesman's not coming to your house. And looking at the space and 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 sitting down with you and talking about what you would like. I mean, so small shops can really provide service. So I do think there's there's hope. Uh, don't get me wrong; it is not easy being a craftsperson. Period, and it's a lot of work. So uh, you know, we're in it for the love of it, and, and hopefully we can make a, a decent living out of it. Um, but I do think there's a resurgence. So I do think that um, there's an interest in handmade and appreciation in handmade uh, work. Um, you know, obviously, this the technology is becoming more affordable, which uh, we've talked about in the past, and that certainly makes us uh, more efficient and can be um, can be also a little more competitive with some of the bigger shops or the or the, or the production pieces. Um, so I think there's hope with a combination of those two items. Well, that sounds great, and uh, I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to do this, and I hope things work out with uh, uh, your relatives, and we will we will stay in touch, uh, uh, virtual uh, if not face-to-face. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me on, and, and I hope everybody enjoys this. I'm going to give a, a shameless plug. Uh, so speaking of virtual, everybody should have a website. So scottgrove.com is my personal work, and then I have an educational channel, which is imaginegrove.com, and then all the social media platforms and, and YouTube and all that. So uh, stop and say hi. I have a free newsletter there, so um, happy to have to keep everybody And, and I can say that that Scott's videos are always entertaining. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> and they're all intended being good fun, so uh, that's my Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> thank you much. Well, okay, I'll thank you. you. Well, uh, stay healthy, wealthy, and wise, and just pick one of those. Right. <laughs> Sounds good. Good. Okay. That's it for today. You can find all of our podcasts at woodworkingnetwork.com and in popular podcast channels. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Veneer Tech Craftsman's Challenge. If you have a comment or topic you'd like us to explore, contact me at will.sampson at woodworkingnetwork.com. Thanks for listening.